Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It is going to be a crazy show today on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Legit one of the most packed shows that we've had in quite some time. And it's not like we've been coming up dry with some of these topics either. We have the Carolina Panthers over the weekend moving up to the number one overall selection. Just within a couple of hours of our show ending on Friday, you had the soundbite of one Willie P breaking the news about Carolina moving up to number one. And it was just a couple of hours once we were done. We get to talk about it today. Not only that, but Selection Sunday, North Carolina not in, as understood by a lot of people. But we'll have that debate on whether they should have been in with them being the third team out. Clemson not in. NC State barely gets in. Same thing with Pittsburgh, who has a play-in game before you even get to the round of 64. So lots of March Madness conversation. And plus, when we go back to the NFL topics, we're going to bring on Chris Mortensen, one of the legendary NFL insiders of all time. Chris Mort, Mort Report, as you might know him. He's going to be joining us at 1220 to talk about this Carolina Panthers move all the way up the draft board to the number one overall selection. How did it happen? Who do you think they're going to select? We'll get to all of that today on Wesson Walker, and you can help out. Join the conversation. Share some of your thoughts. 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. And Wes, I came into the studio where I came into the fishbowl today. Fitty's there working on the rundown, whatever, getting some sound. And there was one thing that we didn't talk about. The one thing we didn't talk about was the fact that Fitty lost the ACC tournament challenge, but I didn't bring it up to him. I didn't bring it up. And that means that this guy is going to have to eat a cookout milkshake of our choosing. Mm. And some of the listeners, I'm going to ask for their uh, input on this as well. So if you want to come up with a combo, because Fitty lost the ACC tournament challenge, he has to eat a cookout milkshake of our choosing with all of the different combos that we can come up with. Whatever. How nasty? Doesn't matter. You can put your input in there as well via the Garage Door Guru text line. But Fitty loses. I think I won within our parameters of the ACC tournament challenge. And you're going to be in the middle, but that's okay because you don't have to eat the milkshake. <laughs> nah, I mean, that's all good. But, I mean, it, it was uh, a crazy tournament. And so it'll be fun to come up with a combo milkshake uh, for Fitty. And that'll be, you know, anytime we can make Fitty do something he doesn't really want to do. <laughs> I think it's always a, a fun time for everybody. Especially here. How are you feeling? Because you didn't bring it up to me this time. We had a lot to get to, but also, you know, conveniently left out of the conversation this morning. Can we double or nothing this thing on the NCAA tournament? Oh, no, nope. nope. I don't think so, man. Oh, come on. You're just a sore winner over there, okay? I'm not a sore winner. I think somebody's being a sore loser <laughs> over there. I think that's what's happening, so we'll uh, figure that out as we go on. All right. Let's get off the bus. Mr. Bus Driver, little country, open up the doors, man. Let's uh, hit the ground running. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! All right, well, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers trade up all the way to number one overall. Not only do they get rid of number nine, so you do have a pick swap, right? Number nine for number one. You're also getting rid of 61 overall in this draft. You're also getting rid of the next first-round draft pick in the next year, right? So 2024 first-round draft Mm -hmm. pick you're also giving up. And alongside all the draft asset compensation, Wes, DJ Moore, 
that was the thing that was most noticeable in this trade for me. But they move up, and now they get their pick of the litter. Whoever they want to select, they have the power to do so now. All of these quarterback conversation, Anthony Richardson having a crazy combine, Bryce Young, tape is great, but he's small, C.J. Stroud deemed as the safest pick, and Will Levis is someone that we all have heard uh, David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, like. Wes, what do you think about this move? What was your reaction to it as soon as you saw it? Man, it was crazy. I'm uh, I'm in the hotel room. I'm, I'm laying there watching snow fall on my phone, and then I get the alert that comes down, and I was like, whoa! And so when I saw it, like, whoa, <laughs> you know what I'm like, saying? Whoa. Yeah. So I was like, man, uh, this was crazy. But I think it was a swing for the fences. I think if you're a Panthers fan, you have to be uh, very excited about this to be able to get a franchise quarterback, watch their development. And I think, uh, you know, them getting rid of DJ Moore, it didn't really bother me much. You know, I told you that I think that, you know, wide receivers having that quote-unquote number one guy that you pay a lot of money to uh, isn't worth as much value as, as people think. And I think the Panthers saw it that way as well because they felt like he was worth, uh, you know, they felt like they could get rid of him and, and trade him for the number one pick because they value the quarterback. You can find wide receivers much easier to, you, than you can find a quarterback. That That's true. We'll debate a little bit more on DJ Moore a little bit later on in the show. But as far as sticking with the reaction – and as soon as it came down the pipeline, what my reaction was, my girlfriend got an ESPN aud- or an update, and she told me that, and I didn't believe her. It's like, nah, you're playing. <laughs> like, because she also has family in Chicago, and so she was saying, oh, the Bears just traded up. Oh, they just traded a number one overall pick. I thought she was playing with me. But no, Carolina becomes the sixth team to be involved, or the sixth time, shall I say. It's the sixth time that we've seen the number one overall pick traded, and the Carolina Panthers are the franchise that is moving up in this scenario. So pretty crazy news, right? It's not like this is something that happens a whole hell of a lot. And now the Panthers get to choose whatever quarterback they want. To me, my immediate reaction was Bryce Young. Honestly, Wes. Yeah. I, as soon as I saw it, before I saw saw all the thought, the think pieces, some of the analysis surrounding this move for Carolina, I thought, okay, Bryce Young, like that's the guy to me. Because it seems like Houston has always been kind of connected to Bryce Young. You jump up in front of Houston, so he's the one with the best tape. He's the one that screams number one overall pick more so than any of the other quarterbacks. But then everybody else came in and flooded the timeline with the thought is C.J. Stroud Mm -hmm. is who Carolina is targeting. Here's Adam Schefter when Carolina traded up to number one on who he thinks the Panthers are targeting. Everybody's trying to figure out exactly what Carolina do. Look, I think the pick will boil down to either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. If you look at Frank Reich's history, and you know well, he has preferred Mm. bigger quarterbacks. That would be the C.J. Stroud model. There are people who believe that Bryce Young should be the number one overall pick, that he's a mini Patrick Mahomes. Well, we'll see if that is the direction they go. But clearly at this point in time, it seems to be a decision between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, both in play for the number one overall pick. And as that one Panthers official just said to me, we've got 48 days to go through this. I only really saw one other mention of a different quarterback outside of Stroud and Young, and that was Dan Orlovsky, who 
is a little interesting here because there were reports about the Panthers reaching out to Orlovsky about him being the QB coach. So it's not like he is entirely, you know, baseless with this, right? He did say maybe Carolina wants Anthony Richardson. But Wes, my initial thoughts are it has to be one of two guys. You do not give up that much compensation to move up and take the risk that is Anthony Richardson, Mm -hmm. to select the big old risk that it is to select Will Levis. You're not giving up that much. If you want to take him by trading up a couple of spots because you believe in Anthony Richardson and you want to trade a first-round pick to move up a few spots, cool. If you want to stay home and take Will Levis or move up a couple of spots, cool. But you ain't trading up to number one and giving up the first-round picks you did, the second-round picks you did, and the starting wide receiver that you have to take a project. You did that to select either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. It's those two, though, that I'm not too sure which one to choose from yet. Um, The whole interesting part about Richardson is that he is starting to get some buzz. His Vegas odds did change uh, about being the number one pick, and so... If you want to talk about another scenario, did the Panthers get nervous that somebody would take him before they got a chance and they want to ensure that they get him? But I'm with you. I think it's Stroud or Bryce Young. These workouts are going to go a long way as far as what selection that they make. I think like you or I feel like it should be Bryce Young, but I could be cool with C.J. Stroud as well. But if I had to, you know, bet the house on it, I would probably say it's one of those two guys. It has to be for me. And the thing I'll say about Scott Fitter this whole time as well, if you think about it, if you go back and you listen to the comments that he had at the Combine, you listen to the comments that he had on the Kyle Bailey show, he has been pretty good about saying how excited he is about everybody, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't get a grip on who it is he likes the most because he does have a glowing review of Anthony Richardson with all of the athletic testing. He does say how cool and poised Bryce Young is, that when you talk to him, the guy is never rattled. Even when you discuss some of the veteran QBs that are since off the market, like Derek Carr... Even with some of the veteran QB conversation, he'll talk glowingly about them. So Scott Fitterer, to me, is doing a pretty good job at not tipping his hand because he's just saying positive things about everybody. I, I just I just can't imagine that you trade that much up to go after a project that is Anthony Richardson, that is Will Levis. And for me, if you make that move, it is going to be Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Now, the difference is C.J. Stroud fits the role that Frank Reich has usually gone with at QB. He is the guy that is, well, above six foot, but even the 6'3", 6'4", model that you got in Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, whoever you want to choose that played for Frank Reich, they've been a tall guy. Bryce Young is quite literally the opposite of that. So if you want to go with Reich, maybe you would lean more towards Stroud. But Wes, Frank Reich's the head coach. He's got a lot of pull, but he ain't the GM anymore. The head coach does not have personnel power over the GM like the previous head coach did. Scott Fitterer, he gets to have majority control over this unless you're talking about David Tepper. David Tepper might want Bryce Young. So that's going to be the interesting part. Frank Reich could want to go after C.J. Stroud, but it's really all about two who Fitterer and David Tepper want. Yeah, and you saw a report that said, oh, no, Schefter, when this trade first went down, he said Tepper likes Bryce Young. And so... Um, I would love to be in on these meetings to hear what they're saying about it because I think that if all things were equal, I think it would be Bryce Young and no 
there would be no buts about it. If the size was, uh, you know, equal and things of that nature, I think that's the biggest thing they're going to debate is do they want to take a gamble? And I'm doing air quotes about that, about Bryce Young, because there's nothing about his game that is a minus. Mm -hmm. It's really just about are you comfortable with his uh, height and weight? 100%. It's the size, man. If you don't think that he can hold up, I understand because it is unprecedented, a little bit at least, with what you're doing in selecting Bryce Young number one overall. But the guy is awesome. The film is fantastic. And so we'll see if Carolina deems it fantastic enough to take him, not only just select him number one, but to trade up all that they did to go select that guy number one overall. This whole show is going to include a ton of conversation about that number one overall pick, and so will the next 48 days, as the Panthers said, because that's the amount of time that they have before they will be officially, quote-unquote, on the clock. To talk more about it, let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline on the other side of the break. The legend, that is Chris Mortensen. Mort Report, going to be joined Joining us next, the ESPN NFL Insider on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Mail here alongside the legendary two Wes Bryant and Josh Fitty Marlowe. Little Country, the nickname that we're trying to make stick. I don't know if it's really catching on, but it is for us, so we'll keep calling them that. You can text in 704-570-9610. Look, you heard Mac just say right there, it's legal tampering time and free agency for the NFL, yet we're kind of behind in Carolina because we have to talk about the number one overall pick that the Panthers traded up to get by giving up DJ Moore, the nine overall selection, the 61st overall selection, another first in 2024, and a second rounder in 2025. Who better to help us talk all about it than Chris Mortensen, legendary ESPN NFL insider. Find him on Twitter at Mort Report. He joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Mort, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. We're doing we're we're great. Pretty, pretty busy around here. We're, we're pretty busy. Well, that's especially. Good. That's good for- <laughs> It's good for your business, oh, too, you know? Oh, you are so right about that. It's only the sixth time that we've seen the number one overall pick traded in NFL history, and the Panthers are involved, and they're involved in the way where you actually are a part of the exciting part, right? Moving up to number one overall. And your colleague, Mort, Adam Schefter, he said that Chicago had multiple offers for number one, but eventually, of course, Chicago decided on Carolina's offer. How coveted was this number one overall selection in your eyes, as far as you can tell, and how surprised are you that the Panthers are the ones that pulled the trigger uh coveted but not overly coveted uh you know generally listen there's not trevor lawrence or andrew luck or john elway or peyton manning in this draft as we know even in 1998 and of course jim caldwell was on board there as uh helping out frank wright uh you know it was it was peyton manning versus ryan lee uh in terms of the number one pick overall but what it does uh, listen I, i've heard Pros and cons. My first reaction to the, to, to the trade was different than most people. I did not think the Panthers gave up too much. Uh, now, D.J. Clark hurts. I mean, he's, he's a great receiver. That hurts. I thought it was 
almost borderline brilliant to keep the 39th pick and give up that 61st. And some of those picks, like if you're talking about a pick in 2025, just just kind of uh, degrade that to whatever round it was, the second round pick in 2025. Right. So really it's the fourth or third round pick in terms of the, the chart. It's, it's, it's value is, is not significant right now. Uh, it, it means that you just want to, you know, you got four quarterbacks. I think three. I can't see Anthony Richardson being uh, uh, the first pick. He only has 13 starts in college. Those metrics have not lied. Another metric that hasn't lied is Bryce Young's size. Uh, but I have to admit, and uh, and I, I have some bias towards Bryce Young because my son helped coach him at Alabama. Uh, and so that's just for disclosure's sake. And I and I love what I saw from C.J. Stroud versus Georgia. And he's a prototype quarterback. I think about Frank Wright, I think more prototype. Uh, you know, I'm talking about guys who are 6'3", 6'2", 6'4". But, uh, you know, I think about Scott Fitter, and I say, hmm, Russell Wilson was 5'10". Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so uh, it, it's, it's exciting. I mean, you know, listen, you got the number one pick. I think the trade was fair. I don't think they gave up too much. Yes, it's an out that DJ Clark is now a bear. I mean, yeah, you're right about all the options here. It's really hard to gauge exactly what they're going to do. I kind of want to tap in to your son coaching Bryce Young a little bit here as far as you saying that you do have uh, a little bit more leniency towards Bryce Young. What have you heard from your son? And just what overall, you know, what kind of guy is Bryce Young if Carolina does decide to make him the first overall pick? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm now just going to say uh, I, I, I have several sources at Alabama. Right. Uh, not just not just the one, but I do know that some of them feel like he's the best football player they've coached on that side of the ball, and that's through the years of uh, let's just go uh, through the years of Jalen Hurts and and Tua Tunga Vailoa and Mac Jones and, and and now Bryce Young. You know he's now listen. His he was a five star quarterback coming out of modern day in California, which is a powerhouse in itself. And he did not win the job or play very much as a, as a true freshman at Alabama. Mac Jones actually beat him out, and they won a national championship. Uh, but in terms of when Bryce finally got the reins, he, he's a heck of a football player. Uh, you know, having covered the NFL for so long, I do know that five ten, and I'm going to say one ninety, not two or four. <laughs> he, had, he had to eat a lot of Big Macs to get to that weight. But he listen, he's a great processor great playmaker, great student of the game. Uh, teams certainly have already fallen in love with that with that part of it. The only question is they're going to sit there and say, do we really take a 5'10", 190-pound quarterback? That, because it's really not ever worked uh, to a high level. But if there's going to be an exception, especially as we enter a new era of, of football, uh, Bryce probably will be that exception. Chris, what's Brian here? And to go further on Bryce Young and the, and the size factor, what do the scouts feel about the fact that we know the love that the SEC gets as far as the size and the tenacity and the quality of the players there? So what do they, what do they say about the fact that Bryce Young dominated the SEC and why they feel like his size could still be a problem at the NFL level? Well, listen, it's, it's, uh, it is a SEC has NFL-sized players. Just look at the draft history. We know that uh, so many come out of the SEC, and the coaches also get paid at such a high level. You have quality coaches that he's going against. Uh, 
and and they actually had a drop up. I do believe they would have beaten Georgia for the national championship two years ago, but they lost John Mechie to an ACL and Jameson Williams when they had the lead in the national championship game. Uh, and, I, and I think that they probably would have won that game had they had those receivers. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I know Bryce Young is very physically tough, by the way. You know, last year he did have an AC joint sprain, but he, he missed some practice, but he didn't really miss games. And he can take hits with the best of them. And, uh, but, you know, you're playing 17 games against not just big guys, but really smart guys and guys who are men. I mean, uh, there's no doubt. It's a different layer of, of, of talent in the NFL. But that's true for every quarterback that comes into this league. There is a transition. There's, there's an adjustment. Anybody who's expecting instant stardom, go down to Jacksonville where the first 15 games of Trevor Lawrence's uh, career, they're all saying, oh, my goodness, he isn't what we thought he was. So you have to be careful. And then turning the page to C.J. Stroud, and a lot of people got really, really on him after the Georgia game, but what was the narrative uh, about C.J. Stroud b- before that game? Because I felt I saw a lot of the same things that he displayed there uh, and that his game was already ready f- for him to be a, a top-five pick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think most teams would agree with you. Listen, they, when you look at Ohio State, you also know they're getting the best set of receivers in the NFL, I mean, in, in college football. That's it. The Ohio State has consistently done and consistently developed. In fact, the best receiver out of the group is, is, is Marvin Harrison Jr., right? And, he, and he's not even eligible for the draft. So C.J. Stroud has the benefit of great coaching with Ryan Day and his staff and great receivers. But you know what? There's a lot of guys that don't make that work, and C.J. Stroud made it work. And what they needed, I think what was what was really the difference in the Georgia game is what's been talked about. He showed some off-platform, off-schedule, I mean, plays against Georgia that just you hadn't seen in his game. And I think that was an encouraging note. The combine, you know, it is what it is. The guy's throwing on air, you know, he shows he's a consistent stroke stroker in terms of passing the football. That wasn't going to – that was true at the combine. It was true during watching his game. So – I, I think that uh, you listen. I think that to me, it, it's C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young, and there are some who do love Will Levis of Kentucky. Don't don't talk about stats and winners and lo- wins and losses and interceptions. I can cite you so many cases where those numbers just w- didn't work in college. Don Elway was a 500 quarterback at Stanford. True picks. You know, Matt Ryan threw. 19 picks at Boston College. Things change in the NFL. How do they transition to the NFL? So Will Levis also is is uh, is not to be totally discounted. Chris Mortensen of ESPN joining us right now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Mort, I, I, you know, how much of this move was made because of owner David Tepper being tired of the retread QB path like Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield? I would say it's absolutely true. I mean, and then, and, and, you know, when you look at Frank Reich, you know, listen, he, he saw, you know, what happened with the Colts. You know, when you keep running people through, it's because you think you have a team that's ready to make a run to the playoffs or, or Super Bowl. And and they, they basically had that guy in Phillip Rivers, and then Rivers retired about a year or two early for their liking. 
I should say, Andrew Luck retired 10 years too early for what they expected and right before a season. So I think Frank uh, certainly understands uh, having your own and developing your own and, and, and the, the importance of that. But it takes the owner, especially when you're talking about a number one pick and the cap, draft capital given up and a player given up like D.J. Clark, the owner has to sign off and be the driving force a, a lot behind that. Chris, a lot of people are looking at this deal, and like you said, some people say it was too much. Some people say it was just right. But do you think that maybe with two potential franchise quarterbacks at the top of next year's draft that the Panthers maybe should have waited until then to do this? Uh, listen, I can make that argument for a lot of teams. So you're telling me you're in favor of telling the whole coaching staff and all the guys in the locker room, we are going to tank in 2024 or 2023. We're going to lose as many games as possible so we can get Caleb Williams. That's, I, I just don't think that sells well. I mean, it, I mean, go, go, go talk to people down in Houston who were still mad at Lovey Smith for winning the last game against the Colts. Coaches, coaches aren't wired like that. If somebody told you, you guys, you raise. Hey, we want to be the worst radio station this year, so we can be the best one next year. <laughs> We're not wired like that as humans, and anybody who's wired like that as a as a as a person, uh, I would tell you, it probably doesn't work out. I think they're just using me as a placeholder before they get a real good host, and then they'll get like the exactly. Drake May, the Caleb Williams of next year. I think Mort's on to yeah. something. <laughs> it's Chris exactly, yeah. It's Chris Mortensen joining yeah. us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I wanted to talk general NFL with you before we get you out of here, Mort. Um, Aaron Rodgers could be moving on from the Green Bay Packers. I know one of the more recent reports is that the Jets felt pretty confident about their ability to land Aaron Rodgers. What can you tell us right now on that front and the possibility he leaves Green's, uh, Green Bay? Well, I mean, the word you keep getting is Aaron hasn't made up his mind whether he's going to play or not. That, listen, he's going to make $60 million. He's on the books to make $60 million this year. I don't know anybody that turns that money down. Because even if you've banked a lot of money, I mean, Aaron is certainly aware of what happened. It's happened in Silicon Valley with uh, banking there, and uh, that you know, I don't know. You pass that up. So, I, I am in the camp that believes he will be a New York Jet, but I don't know. Adam Schefter doesn't know, uh, you know. And I imagine with Tuesday being his appearance on Pat McAfee, that maybe we'll have more of a clue. I don't sense a, a lot of panic from the Jets, so that tells you what that he's probably. They probably know something. Mm-hmm. Feel good about it. What about with Lamar Jackson, Mort? I mean, I know the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, they could not agree to a deal, and it's, it's kind of gone quiet as far as the teams that are interested, right? Panthers could have been one of those teams, but they traded up to the number one overall selection. The Saints, they eventually signed Derek Carr. What can you tell us on the Lamar ja- uh, Jackson front right now? Well, you can't you can't even talk to Lamar Jackson until Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, call this legal tampering. It's really the negotiation window for free agents. Uh, that's what that's his, that's that's his proper name. And Lamar Jackson, if, when Wednesday comes around, if there are not teams interested in him, there it is a clue a collusion in my mind, a collusion that owners do not want to give up fully guaranteed contracts. In other words, as Deshaun Watson received with the Browns, they're saying that's an outlier, uh, and I think there's a collusion that they don't want to give a fully guaranteed contract. The Ravens have offered him a lot of money. At last September, his average per year would have been just under $50 million per year. Only Aaron Rodgers 
would have gotten more. He was offered more guaranteed money than anybody but Deshaun Watson. So it, it's going to take a heck of a deal. But if, I cannot believe that if they, we now know the Panthers are going to do what they're going to do. I can't believe the Atlanta Falcons wouldn't be interested. I, I mean, they have the cap space for it uh, and, and some other teams. The issue is, okay, we've got to get a hold of Lamar Jackson, and we've got to get an offer sheet worked up. Can you do that? Uh, the Jets, I mean, the, the Ravens, and this is a policy kind of like developed by Ozzie Newsom, the general manager, former general manager, who still has an office there. When you're stuck, when you're at an impasse, let the player test the, uh, test the market. Most teams believe the Ravens will match almost any deal, except a fully guaranteed deal. So that's what you have to do. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I don't understand why somebody wouldn't want Lamar Jackson. Moore, what do you make of the Jalen Ramsey trade by the Rams? And do you think that looking at what happened to the Rams over the last few seasons, that teams will maybe stray away from going all in on getting high-priced veterans and stick to building mostly through the draft? Uh, they got they got him a Lombardi trophy, so uh, yeah, I, I know that the feeling there is it was worth it. But you know, let's get back to reality and build this thing again. So uh, they have to get their assets, they have to get their cap cleaned up, and Jalen Ramsey was the one to go. It makes the Dolphins really, really interesting uh, with all the talent they have. Uh, but as far as I, I think, the teams have their philosophies for whatever. When they feel close to, to being able to you know, tie, tie a bow up and really make a Super Bowl run, they, they, they can play it like the Rams. But the Rams were unique. You're talking about L.A., a market, and that's where I grew up, that hadn't had football in more than 20 years. So what sells in L.A.? you got to sell stardom and success. And they, they captured it, and now they now they got to go back to building it the way, the way it's traditionally been built. It's great stuff from Chris Mortensen of ESPN NFL Insider joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Mort Report. Mort, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. All right, have fun, guys. Thanks, Mort. We'll have a lot of fun. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about leading up to the NFL draft as far as what Carolina could do. And we'll put that interview, by the way, if you missed any portion of that, on the website, WFNZ.com. Moving on from Chris Mortensen to Josh Fitty Marlowe for the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Uh, some news coming out of the NFL. The Ravens have released defensive end Kalias Campbell. Austin Eckler has uh, been granted permission to seek a trade from the Los Angeles Chargers. Wow, okay. Um, and also some news coming out of the ACC. Georgia Tech has a new men's head basketball coach. Celtics assistant Damon Stoudemire. Is no making, oh, wow. Is making, as Woj said, the leap from Boston Celtics assistant to the head coach of Georgia Tech. Well, yeah, I, I love Woj's framing, and even Shams, too, both of those guys. The framing of tweets is, I mean, seriously first class. And I mean that in the exact opposite. I mean that in total sarcasm. But it's exactly what they're going to do when they're speaking to guys' agents. And Damon Stoudemire uh, making that leap. That's the one that really surprised us, Wes. Like, here we are. Austin Eckler seeking a trade is kind of interesting. Kalias Campbell, even if he's old, the guy's been awesome for so long in the 
the NFL. So some interesting news to take note of there. The NFC South being involved in legal tampering processes right now. Atlanta agreed to a deal with guard Chris Lindstrom, their former first-round pick, one of the better guards in the NFL, getting paid like it now. And I believe the New Orleans Saints and Cam Jordan, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen the details, but I think that's also a deal that got worked out between New Orleans and their longtime pass rusher. Real quickly, some uh, thoughts from you on all the storylines Fiddy just threw at us. I love the fact that Damon Stoudemire is coming to the ACC. He was one of my favorite players back in the day, and I think that definitely gives Georgia Tech some juice. We were talking about that at the tournament, and I thought Georgia Tech was going to get rid of pass, and I said the program just has no juice. We were talking about this in the fishbowl just last yeah. week as well, so I think uh, that that's great. Austin Eckler, I mean, it's whatever. I think he's, eh, I mean, he's a good back, but I feel about him like you feel about a lot of backs. Mm-hmm. And uh, quarterbacks, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of That's... And Jamal Williams? I, I can't. I yeah. can't do it. We'll move on. Bad take. We'll, we'll move on. We'll it's move not on. A to bad the take. I just think he's. I think he's a good back, but I don't. You know, it doesn't make me none that he's asking for a trade. Uh, Damon Sotomayor, the weird uh, a point. If you would have were to tell me a point guard is going to go coach Georgia Tech. I mean, they were right. playing you for a little while, so kind of weird to see Damon Stoudemire going back there with Kenny Anderson, with Jarrett Jack, with Stephon Marbury, point Mark guard Price. You? I just named a lot of NBA studs. and uh, even Jared college. Jack was an NBA stud? I mean, NBA players and then a really good player. He's supposed to yeah. for throwing the ball. We've got so many <laughs> takes and that we're trying to find And, and Petty West, y'all gassing up a running uh, back. Hadn't had a thousand-yard season yet. Just saying. All right, we can go to break now. Wes and Walker, off and rolling. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We are Sports Shout out Pine Lake. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Hit up those socials. Weston Walker on Twitter, WFNZ on Twitter, and WFNZ on Instagram. It is now time for the Campus Kona. It's that time of the year, and for the first time since 2010, North Carolina will miss out on March Madness. First preseason team, number one ranked to fail to secure a spot in the tournament since the field expanded in 1985, and they have now turned down an NIT bid. Daggum. (laughs) (laughs) Your timing on that particular soundbite has been exceptional lately. Thank you. I'll be honest. The Tar Heels have reached the NCAA tournament in 44 of the last 47 seasons, but should they have accepted an NIT invite? I think so. I think it is very snooty and snobby for Carolina to just be sitting there because they didn't make it to pout not playing the NIT. 
You earned an NIT caliber season. You should go play in it. You should use it as motivation to come back next season even better. You last played in it in 2010. So what's the difference now? Because you feel like you look bad because you did not make the NCAA tournament after being preseason number one, that now you want to pout and sit at home in Chapel Hill and not go to the NIT? Get your behind in there. That's what you earned this year. Get out there and play. Use it for motivation. I don't like it one bit. I'm glad you brought that up, the 2010 one, because it does go to show that North Carolina as a whole is not trying to act snooty, and that context matters when applying the reason of accepting it in 2010 to the reason they did not accept it here. I think this is totally fine, and honestly, I think it's the right decision for North Carolina to not accept this invitation to the NIT. Because if you go back and just attach the human element to Armando Baycott, seeming extremely dejected anytime that he would talk about any of these games, who, by the way, is still battling ankle problems right now, Armando is. If you listen to R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, who is getting destroyed by Heels fans, even now, I want him to go to a different place next year just for his own good, not even as a Carolina fan, but even just for Caleb Love's own good. Man, the guy has been taking it to the chin as far as the Carolina fans' rhetoric goes. And so I think it's absolutely fine the fact that all of these players who just seemed like it was a rough go to get through this season, especially with some of the injuries that you racked up. Remember, R.J. Davis also banged his, injure, uh, banged his finger up quite a bit during the middle portion of this season. I'm totally fine with this, man. Like, if I found value in North Carolina going to the NIT to give Seth Trimble some experience, to give Jalen Washington some experience, but at the end of the day, is a potential one-game-and-out scenario good for this Carolina basketball team that had one of the worst years that we've ever talked about with this program. I have zero problem with it. I don't think it's snooty at all. I think it's just something that most of them, if not all of them, were ready to say, hey, the season's over. I ain't trying to play anymore. They had nothing to gain. Like, had they gone to the tournament and won the NIT, that doesn't get celebrated here. You look at 2010. 2011 doesn't happen where Carolina won an ACC regular season championship, went to the Elite with, and went to the Elite without going to the NIT because you got valuable minutes for John Henson, Tyler Zeller, and other guys on that team. And also the transfer portal didn't exist. The portal's open today. So Carolina's got to get the guys out of the program into the portal and start and, and start going portaling right this minute. So no, going to the NIT would be a waste of time. It's not them being snotty. Hubert's doing what's best for this program, which is not going to competing in a tournament that no longer matters. When has it ever mattered as far as like it being something big that teams celebrate? It, it, it I mean, mattered in the 70s because well, teams turned out NCAA tournament bids to play in the NIT. Well, but even but even okay, to your but point, they played it in 2010. Though. But but even but right. But even to your point, if it doesn't matter, then why do we think they should accept it? So well, why would you ever then if you put it like that? Fair. Why would anybody ever accept to go to the NIT? Because for, if for that's some the programs, case. it does like it, it helps the small schools. Well, why would y'all go in 2010? Because, because it's they, so different though, right? Like as we talk about it. Each year is absolutely different. We can look at that season, and when you lose Hansborough, when you lose Danny Green, Ty Lawson, all those guys, and then the next year you're trying to gain as much experience as possible because a few more of those players were going to return in 2011, that matters. I don't know how many people are returning here for Carolina, but the thing is, man, those kids were so dejected after they spoke after the ACC tournament. They were dejected after they lose to Pittsburgh, and especially with all of the pressure that had them being the preseason number one overall uh, preseason seed, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm totally fine with them after 
after what was a season that clearly had them mentally distraught. I'm cool with it. Hey, let's just refresh. Sometimes you got to hit the refresh button. And they wanted to do it sooner rather than playing in a meaningless NIT for them. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> UNC was the third team out. Clemson was the fourth team out. Pitt and NC State got in. What's our reaction to the level ACC respect, disrespect? I'll start it off by saying that I think that, again, like I said, the ACC should have the reverence uh, that the SEC has in football as far as college basketball is concerned. Uh, you're talking about 657 wins among the 15 members. The ACC is the all-time winningest conference in the NCAA tournament, also has the highest winning percentage and one more stat for you since 1985. Nearly half of the ACC teams that earned an NCAA tournament bid have reached the Sweet 16. So when the ACC gets in, they do damage. So I definitely think it was uh, disrespectful. I think the ACC could have gotten a couple of more teams in. But who am I to judge what they? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised. Well, I shouldn't say I'm surprised. That's the wrong word to use. I, I do think it was more disrespectful than it should have been. The fact that NC State barely got into the field. The fact that well, what's interesting, too, is that North Carolina was actually only the third team out. They were actually really close. If they win one of these other games against a quad one opponent, based off of where they were finishing just outside of the field, they make it. If they beat Alabama, if they beat Virginia, and that's a little problematic, but North Carolina makes it. Seems like the Louisville loss is absolutely what kept Clemson out of there. I think Clemson should have made it. North Carolina, look, they had a lot of losses, but then when you compare them to a Nevada, that's the one that you could easily take out compared to what their record overall was. When you talk about the teams out West, I mean, San Diego State is a team that gets in and is the feature of their conference, and yet other teams that get in there as a multi-bid league, they are bounced so early. And so, yeah, it's just a little inconsistent. Like, I'm not here telling you North Carolina should have gone in, but the weird respect slash disrespect that you had for certain programs in the ACC, it just seemed inconsistent with the committee choosing the teams they did to make the field. Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, like I said, I just think it was ridiculous and um, hopefully the teams that do get in from the ACC get in there and make some noise to further uh, the reputation of this conference. Well, and it's not like we're asking for Wake Forest to make it. It's not like we're asking right. for any of the bottom feeders in the conference, right? That, that's not I what we're asking. I thought Clemson was the biggest. Yeah. Was the biggest miss. Right. Like, it just, it seemed like Clemson, and then yeah. even... I mean, they were 4-4 against Quad 1. Well, Wes, I mean, Pittsburgh loses to Duke. Yes, they get destroyed, but they lose to Duke in the ACC tournament. Duke is a 5-seed. Pittsburgh had a good regular season, and then they're like one of the last teams in. Yeah. And not to pain. mention Clemson drilled NC State twice. Right. So right. it makes, yeah, it, it's it's a little inconsistent with what they did. And then uh, maybe later we can get back to passing around some blame for Carolina's season. That should be an interesting topic now that things are said and done. But when we can't, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the Panthers trade. What's the latest? Could the Panthers maybe even trade back again and get their Kevin Costner on? This is I want the my West back. <laughs> this is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.